Megan, you know what I love about our partner, The Essential Calendar? I love the product so much, of course, but I also love that it comes from a small business founded by two moms. Right, just like us. Listeners, if you're drowning in details right now, like summer camps, travel plans, end of school year mayhem, give yourself the gift of The Essential Calendar, a seasonal at-a-glance poster-sized calendar for your wall. Get 10% off your order at theessentialcalendar.com slash themomhour. That's 10% off at theessentialcalendar.com slash the mom hour. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Megan. We're two moms with eight kids between us from little to grown. We're in different areas of the country and in different stages of life. But we both know that motherhood's a lot easier when real moms share tips and encouragement. And remind you that it's really all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the mom hour. Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 183 of The Mom Hour. I am Sarah Powers here, as always, with Megan Francis. Hi, Megan. Hey, Sarah. So today we are unpacking a couple of things. We are talking about this mommy wine culture and this like mommy needs a drink thing. And we're going to spend a good half of the show talking about this. But we're also going to go into other kind of mom tropes or what what else would you call them, Megan? Like stereotypes or memes? Yeah, stereotypes, memes, just this how weird we are about needing to make everything into like a soundbite (laughs) or like a name, like everything a tagline. Um, I don't know what you would call that, but we've all seen it. We all know what we're talking about. And mommy needs wine is one of them. Yes. So we're going to we're going to definitely start there. Um, If you guys didn't hear our more than mom episode that aired on Sunday, just a couple of days ago, usually the more than mom, we always say they're kind of our light and fluffy. They're not about parenting or motherhood. Um, However, this time, I think they are a nice pairing, (laughs) if you will, to use a drinking (laughs) analogy. Um, But we talked a lot. We talked about alcohol and drinking from a much lighter, fluffier, fun perspective. And it was really fun. We laughed a lot. We shared some stories. um, But we kind of felt like it was important to do this in two parts as like almost a flip side, right? Yeah, I, I think so. Because, you know, I feel like there's a sense of responsibility, like, Alcohol is a touchy topic, for mm-hmm. one thing. And it's hard. They're so black and white. And we can get into this in a little bit, too. But it's like there's there's like these two opposing um, sides almost where it's like super light and fluffy. Like, let's just drink all the time and be drunk all the time and blah, blah, blah. And talk about it like we need it. Or this like alcohol bad. You right. Know, like sober good thing. Wearing your responsible. Side. What's her name from yes. Guys and Dolls? Like your Sarah. Sarah. Yeah. Like I marching in the have, band. Sarah Brown. Sarah yes. Brown was her name. Yes. Yeah. And it's like, it's very hard to find a middle ground. And I, I feel a lot of responsibility since we just did a whole episode talking about booze. Yeah. To kind of, you know, talk about the fact that it probably shouldn't have as huge a focus in our lives as it can. Yeah. And seems to sometimes, especially yeah. for moms. And, um, I really want to get into this because I think some of these memes are harmful to moms. I also think some of the way that we treat drinking in, in this culture is unfair to moms. There's just mm-hmm. a lot. There's mm-hmm. a lot that to a lot to go into. A lot to unpack. So, um, this is a yeah. good time to say also that today's episode is, um, I don't know if you have older kids or kids who are curious about this kind of thing, just maybe something to go in uh, knowing that we're going to be talking about alcohol and drinking. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so you make your choices from there. Okay, Megan. Well, over here at the Mom Hour, we are big fans of our sponsor, Our Place. In fact, you, me, and our team member, Katie, we're all comparing notes on our favorite product, 
Katie was telling us that even though she's packing up to move her family to a new house, she cannot put that mini perfect pot from our place into the boxes yet because she's using it like every night. Well, as someone who also has a perfect pot, I got mine as part of their mini home cook duo set. I get it. It's nonstick, which is key, but it also has all these handy features like a steam release lid with a built-in strainer and this nice beechwood spoon that nests on the handle in this perfect little peg. Okay, well, I didn't get this pot, but now I want it. That sounds so great. Our place's cookware is great to cook with, beautiful to look at, and healthier for us as well. All of Our Place's products are made without PFAS, also known as Forever Chemicals. In addition to their cookware and tableware, Our Place is also making waves with their Wonder Oven, the most stylish all-in-one air fryer and toaster oven. Again, free from the Forever Chemicals found in many of those air fryers. Listeners, Our Place offers a 100-day trial with free shipping and returns, and we've got a great deal for you. Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code MOMHOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's fromourplace.com, code MOMHOUR. Megan, the end of the school year and kickoff to summer is a busy time of the year for families, but we can all eat stress-free and hit our wellness goals with ready-to-eat meals from our sponsor, Factor. Factor's delicious meals are never frozen and can be ready to eat in just two minutes. You can pick from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular choices like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Plus, they have more than 60 add-ons like breakfast, lunch, snacks, and beverages to keep you fueled all day long. So our team was comparing notes recently on our favorite Factor meals, and Katie loved the herb-crusted chicken with mashed cauliflower and toasted almond green beans. I loved that one, too. And get this, so did her little boy, Charlie. She heated it up for lunch one day, and Charlie, who's three, ate almost all of the green beans. I mean, that's quite an endorsement, right? I was going to say, what a parenting win. (laughs) And I get it, Charlie. Those green beans are crazy good. And if you really want to treat yourself, they even have meals with filet mignon, shrimp, truffle butter, broccolini, and asparagus. Listeners, head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code momhour5050 at factormeals.com slash momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. All right. right. Ready? Should we get into it? Yes. <laughs> and um, if, you, if you didn't listen on Sunday, that's totally fine. Um, but the, we will probably reference that conversation because yeah. it's the other side of this. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, well, and I also want to mention too, that like, if you're, <laughs> if you're not a drinker, if you mm-hmm. don't drink, you probably will enjoy this episode anyway, because it's still such a, um, a common mom. It's just a conversation happening around it is public momosphere that's been going on for a while. You might not want to listen to the one from the other day because we literally just talk about booze the entire time. Yes, we so. did. Um, <laughs> yes. And also, I think this one is important because it, even if it's not the mommy needs a glass of wine trope, there are other ways that we sort of pigeonhole and limit ourselves that yes. I think is not helpful to the motherhood yeah. experience. And so that's not just yep. about alcohol. So let's just really quickly, let's define this in case somebody yeah. is brand new to motherhood or hasn't been on social media quite as much. Like, what are we talking about, Megan? Let's define this this culture? Well, it's, it's definitely had many manifestations. Um, the first time I was really smacked right in the face with it, I was, um, part of a Sant like a secret Santa with a group of women. I didn't know very well. Um, it was like a writer's group or something. And 
the gift that my secret Santas chose to send me was an enormous wine glass, by the way, enormous. It was bedazzled. Okay. So it had like, like little gems all over it. It had like a big ribbon. And then in gel paint, it said mommy's sippy cup. Mm-hmm. And I remember being so offended by it. I don't even, and it wasn't like, I don't know why I was so offended. It wasn't, I just, first of all, it was really tacky, but I know it was supposed to be kind of a gag gift. But at the same time, I just found the idea that there was something that was like referring to like a child's mm-hmm. sippy cup mm-hmm. as something you would fill literally, probably a bottle of booze would have fit into yeah. this um, glass. And it was like, oh, something felt, it felt really off. bad about it to me. Now, I will just add a funny thing that I made that the joke, like the punishment glass. Oh, so if you so were at my house and you spilled or broke anything, you had to drink out of the mommy, uh, mommy sippy cup That's awesome. glass. And then the person who had to use it <laughs> actually ended up breaking it. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anyway, that, but I just, something about it bothered me. And then I started to really look around and notice that this was a meme. Like, yeah, you know, it, I, I, I was personally on a zoo trip with a, a bunch of women I didn't know very well. Again, this tends to happen. Um, and found that they were drinking vodka out of like their sport bottles at like 10 in the morning. And wow. I come from a yeah, I come from a drinking family. Like we get together and we drink. And like this is it's alcohol's been a big part of my life for better and for worse. I've had a lot of family members who've really struggled with it. So it's something that's always been kind of on my radar. But to me, it was always a pleasant and fun thing, not like a secret. I can't get through the day yeah. without this kind of a thing. And I was kind of floored by that. And I really started to notice that there was this idea that getting through the day as a mom is just too hard mm-hmm. if you can't drink while you're doing it. And I had never until that, and this was like in my probably right around the time I turned 30. I don't know how I missed it up until then. I had never really thought about it that way. I'd always right. thought that like having a drink was something fun you did with friends or that you did to enjoy yourself after the kids were in bed. I never thought of it as something that you did to survive yes. motherhood. And it, it really, to me, uh, set, it sets, it's, there's so many things that are bad about yeah. it. One of the things is that it sets up, you almost up against your kids, which, you know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. like my time, their time. Yeah. Like who's fighting over me time and who gets full attention. They're making me and do this. <laughs> they're making, exactly. I drink because of you. Um, and then there's obviously the health, problems yeah. where if you start you know it's a very slippery slope at some point and if you start boozing it up at the zoo at 10 a.m because you can't make it through a trip to the zoo what else are you know how, yeah. how do you how do you escalate that like right. there's it comes a point where you just be drinking all the time and I started to get really uncomfortable with it so I don't know Sarah I've just babbled on yeah. for five minutes but yeah no, I have I have a few things that this brought up for me one is okay the mommy sippy cup and the tacky bedazzled was like how long like 20 years ago for you 18 15 18 <laughs> a long time right like um, when you... no I got that well when I got that glass yeah like when it was given to me no that was probably probably 12 years ago. okay okay I didn't know yeah. how early in motherhood but one thing I was going to say is it's almost surprising to me that we're still doing this except the reason why I think it keeps still coming back around is that there are always new moms like mothers yeah. are continually coming into this space where they are new to the experience the ways of coping with the experience and so there's mm-hmm. always kind of I don't want to say like fresh victims but there's always um <laughs> a new crop of yep 
relatively insecure women who are looking for a tribe and looking for an identity and looking for humor and laughter. I'm such like, I'm so drawn to sarcastic humor. So there's a lot of this that comes from just a lighthearted and playful place that's meant to build community. So um, I think when we're unpacking this, we have to acknowledge, like if you've ever shared one of these memes or created one or liked one, we're not, we're not judging you at all. Like there's a reason that people relate to this stuff and it's because motherhood is hard. It's because alcohol is one of the things that brings us together and feels celebratory, like you said. So I want to make sure like we're not we're not coming down on anybody who's participated in this culture. I think we just want to unpack it. But going forward from there, I think one of the reasons this is problematic and one of the things I've started to notice in people who are pushing back um, is that often it's a it's a cheap and easy substitute to say mommy needs a glass of wine or to sell a coffee mug that says this might be there might be wine in here. I mean, there's a lot. They're funny. I've laughed at them. Um, But to do all of that is often like kind of a cheap substitute for saying something else. And what is that something else? Is it that I'm having a hard time? Is it that, you know, I need friends? Is it that Mm -hmm. like I don't this is hard and I don't know how else to talk about it? And I think for the problem is, is that there's there's this massive mothers out there and some of them have no issue with alcohol whatsoever and others have are in a kind of a murkier grayer area and then we think of like this extreme of someone who's like drunk all day and neglecting her children but we don't really know where to put we don't really know how to talk about the middle, the middle, which is no, responsible, so responsible drinking and responsible <clears throat> coping it's not just about drinking right. but responsible self-care responsible dealing with the stresses of motherhood. And so and then how it just becomes yes, the difference if, exactly. what, if what you're doing is, is that crutch or that cheap bandaid or that, yeah, that cheap fix. Yeah. Sorry. I interrupted you, but yeah, no, I, w- we I don't was, even know how to tell. We don't know how the to conversation tell. around it is so black and white. It's so black and white. And the laughter almost normalizes behavior or gives Probably, I mean, I'm I'm speaking for certain groups of women, and I've read some article, some first person articles about this. But gives some people permission to continue behavior that probably should be looked at. It doesn't mean they're a full blown yeah. alcoholic, but it maybe means that they have some unhealthy coping mechanisms. And this "mommy needs wine" culture, really, in a lot of cases, has given women permission to continue in those unhealthy patterns when instead they could be getting curious about them. Does that make sense? Yeah. Totally. And I, and I think that what you, you know, the problem is it's kind of like we've talked about with lots of social media kind of stuff. Like we're like, people are sharing the same message, but you don't have any context about that person. So you don't know if the person who share, who shares the like, Oh, I really need a glass of wine. That's literally the only glass of wine she's going to have this week. Cause she's right. just not a big drinker. Right. Or the person who needs a glass of wine, but it's like the fourth today. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> we don't have any context. We don't have any way of like separating those two. We don't have any way of really knowing where we fall as far as what's healthy and normal. And I want to mention a couple of things yeah. um, really quickly. I know we're going to unpack our own habits a little bit too, Sarah, but I want to mention that we have these like cultural rules around drinking that I've always felt like kind of, exclude moms or don't seem to really work for moms. And one of the ones I can remember being almost kind of mad about when my kids were really little was like, don't drink alone. Mm -hmm. And my thing was like, I'm literally never alone, (laughs) but I'm always alone. You know what I mean? Like I'm never alone. That's, you know, part of the reason I can't leave my house and do something else, like go for a walk or go to therapy or, you know, go to yoga. But I'm also kind of always alone. And so that's one of the reasons like that drink at the end of the night can feel 
so tempting because it's like I am an adult. I do get to have like I do get to sit down and do something that other people who aren't stuck at home with kids maybe are doing in a different place, like in a bar or out with their friends. Like yeah. I can do that right here. And there's something kind of exhilarating about that. Right. Um, and there can be something kind of like pampering about that. And there can also be something kind of dangerous about that. Right. So like, that's one of those things I always remember getting really irritated about. Yeah. Like, okay. So when then, like when am right. I allowed to have a glass of wine? And, and why is someone else um, putting <laughs> exactly. arbitrary rules around that? Right. Um, I also want to acknowledge that our culture often doesn't allow much in the way of figuring this out publicly, mm-hmm. um, figuring that middle ground out. I think that there's this idea that your drinking is like 100% healthy mm-hmm. or you don't drink at all, which mm-hmm. is kind of what we consider to be 100% healthy or like you're an addict and mm-hmm. <laughs> a 12-step program. And I think, or, you know, on the other end of like the 100% healthy just screw it. Just go for it because who cares? Like right. there's those two, you know, those, those two kind of opposite sides of the coin. Right. And I think people then don't talk about it honestly. And right. then we don't get the support we might need in like reversing a habit. Like it's not that hard for something to go from under control and healthy to now no longer healthy. And there's a full-blown addiction. And then there's people who can like go, oof, this is, this is not good for me. What's happening right now is probably not the best course of action. I need to make a change. But we don't allow for that. Like we don't allow for that. that no. Place. And just like so many things we talk about on this show where your own personal choices, we sometimes worry that those come off as a judgment on other people. Drinking is yeah. loaded with that, right? Like if you yeah. say that you've realized for you, it's healthier not to drink during the week or to save it for special occasions, then all right. of a sudden, because of this culture we've built, that now feels like a judgment against the mom right. who has two glasses of wine every night and handles it completely healthfully so it is it's hard to like you said it's hard to be public about those kind of gray area choices because we also fear how that comes off as a judgment against other people and they're so different from everybody else and I want to point out that we don't really do this with a lot of other habits like exercise and food I mean there's so much support for making small tweaks yes or making an individual healthy choice like I want to start eating paleo. People are going to be like, yes. And someone else is like, I want to become a vegetarian. Okay. Or like, I want to eat a little bit less, you know, every day or like cut back on this or that. Like we're so supportive of that. But when we start talking about alcohol, like we don't really support things in the same way. It's like you either give it up entirely or you're part of like the drunk mom brigade. There's just not a lot of like middle ground. That is so true afraid to talk about it. Yeah. I mean, well, you, you, we're going to get into this, but you and I both discovered that we were kind of having like a little bit of a detox dry week and we didn't even know. And you and I talk like 11 million times a day and we hadn't even told each other that we'd scaled back. Isn't that interesting? Right. That is interesting. So should we get into that? Do you want to unpack our, yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe you start. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. So if you listened on Sunday, we sort of lightly talked through our, our everyday habits around alcohol. And one of the things I talked about is I'm very structured and regimented, surprising no one about what, how alcohol figures into my life when things are normal, like my weeknight, one glass of wine, my weekend maybe two. But we also talked about like vacation and holidays and Mm -hmm. times when there's a more celebratory feel. And you and I both come from families who, you know, alcohol is a part of family get togethers and family celebrations. So I think when I start to notice things being out of sync for me is when there has been a long period of quote unquote, like 
outside the norm. So whether yeah. it's travel, holidays, um, and we're uh, this, it's not a coincidence that this episode is coming out Thanksgiving <laughs> week. I mean, we are this is on our mind. So um, yeah. a couple of weeks ago, we had my husband turned 40. His mom came into town um, and she does enjoy cocktails, especially when she's traveling to see us. She's on vacation. So even though we're at home, it's like kind of the habits change. And then we went right into um, Halloween, followed by a four day trip to Vegas for Brian and I, which was really fun. We went with our other couple friends, Allison and Jason, and it was Vegas. You know, it was like mm-hmm. four parents of young kids let loose on the town. And I mean, we we did Vegas like 40 year olds, not like 20 year olds. It was pretty right. tame. But you you add all of that together and it had been like 10 days of outside the norm eating and drinking. And both Brian and I just felt like uh, it was a combination of like just wanting to get back to healthy habits, everything from exercise to eating. And so the timing of it with being close to Thanksgiving, we said, well, let's just go on. Like it's not, we're not going to call it whole 30. We're not going to like do anything crazy, but we're just going to like do our own version of a detox, both food and booze for like two weeks before Thanksgiving. Um, and so all this is leading up to what I, you and I talked about before we recorded, which is pretty much no drinking for about, two weeks leading up to this week. And it has been interesting. I haven't done that consciously, you know, other than being pregnant. So yeah, I don't know. Do you want to kind of like share where you're coming from? And yeah, well, uh, I am. <laughs> it's so funny. I, Sarah, for all the ways that we're different, like there are certain ways that we are very alike. Yeah. There one of, is for me that for me, um, a routine becomes a habit. And once it's a habit, it is ingrained and very difficult to change. I guess that's not all that different, you know, but like I'm very routine oriented. And also I am very, um, uh, I'm very swayed by what's happening around Mm -hmm. me. And so (laughs) I guess it's, it's when a habit is in, is really ingrained in me, it's hard to get out of unless the alternative is more fun. I mean, to be really honest. So like if the alternative is to my usual habit, is like going out every night, I'm going to start gravitating toward going out every night because that's more fun. It's more interesting. It like makes my brain go, woo, new stuff, yeah. new, you know, new, uh, new input. And you can do that for a while, but at some point that becomes not outside the norm. It becomes the new normal. And that's, you know, where I struggle the most. Like if I had, a, if I was in a normal routine where every day I was getting up, going to the gym, you know, or getting the kids off to school, going to the gym, doing my work, making dinner, having a glass of wine, getting tired and going to bed, then that would be a very healthy balance for me. Mm-hmm. Where it becomes problematic is when over and over and over something shakes that up. So right. like, it's not just like you said, it's not just one weekend, but several in a row yeah. or like people in from town out of town and then everyone else around you is drinking yeah. and you're like, oh, or you are hanging out with new people and maybe they drink differently or at different times of day. It doesn't even have to be people who drink more than you. It could be people who drink earlier in the day because mm-hmm. then you're like, oh, well, I'll have a drink with them. And then later you're like, well, I'll have a drink when I usually would have. Yep. And suddenly you're like, wait, I just had three times as many drinks as right. I usually would have in a day. And that's right. very easy. It's easy to let that creep in. Yep. Um, I will say that both the times I have been single, I have um, because I don't people don't always know this, but John and I actually split up once when we were very early in our marriage mm-hmm. and then, you know, recently divorced. So the last two years I've been you know, divorced mom. And then, um, back in my twenties, early twenties, it mm-hmm. was, and I drank more during that time, both times for very different reasons though. When I was single the first time it was because I was just stressed and mm-hmm. like, I was alone a lot and I didn't have people to talk to. Mm-hmm. I was like home with my kids. They were little, I didn't go out ever. So for me having 
you know, a couple glasses of wine at night while I played around on the internet was kind of like my, it was like my cocktail hour. Right. And I yeah. felt like I was out with people. I yeah. felt like I was out, but I was really just at home. Yeah. Um, this last time around, my kids were older and um, my ex and I have shared custody. So right. he's got the kids about half the time. Yeah. I just have more opportunity. Yeah. And people are asking me to come out a lot. And for a while there, it was kind of like, you know, there's like this little rush at first. You're like, oh my gosh, I can go out and go out as much as I want right. to. And I can, you know, be out all the time. And then after a while you get tired of that and you realize like that's not sustainable and you can't really do it forever. Um, but it's just interesting to me that both of those times of my life were probably the heaviest drinking phases for very different reasons. And now, now I've been dating someone for a couple of months and we, I kind of went through another spike because now it's a new relationship. It's yeah. fun. Every yeah. time we get together, it's like, it's like a free pass, like a free for all for us to go out and like celebrate and have a good time. And like, you know, maybe he would have had a drink like at eight o'clock and I would have had one at five or whatever. So right. now we're having one at eight and at five yeah. and sometimes in between. So it's like all. So it's just interesting when I get out of my usual routine, how I can see that things aren't. And it for a little while, I'm like, oh, it's fine. It'll pass. And then there always comes a point where I'm like, OK, I'm going to have to do something. So let me ask you a question then about that. Do something because I know how my my brain really likes rules. So for me, it's relatively easy to say, you know, okay, what I feel best if I only have one glass of wine on the weeknights. And I've that's been my reality for years and years and years. You know, even when I had little babies, I never had more than one because I just didn't like it. Just yeah, I didn't like the way I felt in the morning and I was often getting up in the middle of the night, blah, blah, blah. So it's like once I have a rule for myself, I'm pretty good at following it. I'm curious if when you realize like okay something needs to shift here is that the way do you just think okay I'm going to be mindful and I'm going to scale back or does it help to have like a now here's the new parameters for a while you know I am such a rebel um I really have I do not like rules Uh, what I have found works the best for me is to set up the rest of my life oh yeah in such a way that it just changes like I like that so and it doesn't have to be it can be temporary like Mm -hmm. um it might mean going to yoga in the evenings during the time that I would have wanted to have mm-hmm. several drinks. Mm-hmm. And, and I do that instead. Or it might mean turning down invitations to go out because I just know if I just turn down invitations, I will naturally not drink or whatever it is. Like to me, it's almost like the out, I have to set up outside, um, the outside framework or structure around the choice to make the choice like make itself. And if if I'm sorry, I'm going to jump in really quick with Gretchen Rubin's four tendencies because you have, you know, kind of identified as a rebel. But what you're doing is like you're setting up your environment so that it feels like your choice and not a rule Uh that's imposed on you. And so that suits your that suits your rebel tendency, which is exactly what you should be doing. Right. Yeah, exactly. And um, yeah, but it takes, you know, it took me a while to figure that out. Like it took me a while to figure out, like, why is it when I have times of my life when I'm just not drinking much? Like what happened? Like what? Mm -hmm. Because I didn't even notice it happening what is different? And then I realized, oh, well, I was going to bed earlier. I was probably getting up a little earlier. Mm-hmm. I was doing more active things in the evening. I wasn't going out as much. I was hanging out with different people. Like all these things that have to happen. If I just said to myself, like, oh, I'm not going to drink anymore during the week ever, then I would be, I would break that rule the first day Yeah, because I'd be mad at myself for even making it. Now I will say that, um, the guy that I'm dating, we actually had a conversation about this. It was like, yeah, we're kind of like drinking way too much. And like, we just don't, want to do that all the time mm-hmm. for a variety of reasons and so his suggestion was to have like you know days that we do and days that we don't and because I'm not doing it alone it's a little easier mm-hmm. to stick to that um 
But I don't know that that would be something that I would do forever. Like, I don't yeah. know that forever that's the right option for right. me. I just think right now it's fine. It's it like if I'm with him, yeah. we could just find other stuff to do. Yeah. But like when I'm by myself, I'm kind of again, the rebel part of me wants to be like, well, wait a second. Yeah. Like, I should get to make my own rules about this <laughs> and then break my own rules about this. So there's I do have to kind of fight a little bit with my with my tendencies. And the funny thing is, Sarah, when I really think about it, when I really think about wanting it, it's not always for the same reasons. And that's the other thing too. Like, I think that we need to like, even unpack that. Like if you really want a glass of wine, like why, mm-hmm. what is it you really want? Do you want a break? Mm-hmm. Do you want something that tastes good? Do you want a buzz? Like there's yeah. lots of different reasons you might want that thing that have like, that don't have to be, um, we don't have to happen with that thing, but we're just so used to it. And it's yeah, such a, well, a habit. I had an observation about that since we did stop drinking the last couple of weeks is I thought that when I would miss my glass of wine would be the moment where I sit down on the couch. The kids are upstairs. We talked about this in our Sunday episode. Yeah. Um, just that ritual of like we watch a show and reaching mm-hmm. over for my glass of wine. That's when I thought that's when I predicted that I would miss it. What I found was that when I would start thinking about that glass of wine and feeling bummed I wasn't going to get it, was it about six? 630 like about an hour hour and a half before when I it was something you were because looking I was forward looking to. forward to it and I would feel kind yeah. of grumpy and be like oh, I'm not even gonna like enjoy the show blah 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 I've got to get through this bedtime and there's no glass of wine waiting and then when I sat down and we turned on our show and I had either nothing or maybe like a LaCroix or a glass of water I didn't miss it at all not yeah, at isn't all that funny so I it's think the anticipation of it that you miss mm-hmm. and it for me I think it's the predictability I I so mm-hmm. love routine and predictability that it's like a it's like a physical physiological comfort to me to know what's coming and so if you take away the thing that's usually coming then it feels like ah well like I'm like unmoored or something it's not like I was like in a corner crying about it but I just found it interesting what you're used to yeah and and the time that I missed it was a different time of day than I thought I would because I I agree I I was fine I miss it earlier than like I miss (laughs) the missing of it like I miss it I miss what I think I'm gonna miss and then if I just like do something else by yeah. the time I get back to where I would have had it, I don't uh-huh. care anymore. It's that weird, like inner, it's the right before. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I used to do like, I've tried stupid things like, oh, I'll drink, you know, tea out of a wine glass or something like that. And and there is something I really do like about holding a wine glass. Mm-hmm. So I, it's not like a bad idea. I just, for me, that's not really the thing. Mm-hmm. I think for me, it's like finding something completely different I to agree. do during that time or really take my mind off of it so going for a walk or going to yoga or going shopping like just some other little thing that like you know a lot of it is boredom being a mom can be really boring Mm -hmm. and we look for stimulus we Mm -hmm. look for ways to make our brain go like something interesting is happening we Mm -hmm. want novel experiences and even if they're predictably novel they're still novel Mm -hmm. it still tastes good it still feels Mm -hmm. good and like I feel like sometimes we start to like forget there's other ways to do that yep because this one way is so easy and it's always available. And and to like bring this back to the whole mommy needs wine culture and tie it up with a bow before our break, it's culturally acceptable. Like if right. you were, um, I, I read up, I read several essays and articles kind of reminding myself of this cultural thing. And I will link them all up in the show notes. Um, but more than one kind of pointed out that alcohol is unique in that it is so widely culturally acceptable that you can be pretty unhealthy and have it be and be like publicly totally fine, be totally publicly accepted. Whereas Mm -hmm. if you were smoking a joint at five o'clock every day, 
or engaging in other potentially risky, potentially self-destructive behavior, that people would stage an intervention. Right. But there's yeah. um, several essays that I'll link to that talked about, you know, they they were never drunk. They were never passing out around their kids. They were, you know, showing up on time. They were like their hair was brushed. Like th there were no outward signs of a problem. And because of this cultural acceptance of boozing to cope with life, then that, mm -hmm. that can fly under the radar for a long time. Like, and then I think what it does is it gives people um, a reason not to question their behavior, because if it doesn't look like this sort of like after school special picture of an alcoholic mom, yeah. then I must be fine. And maybe well, you are like, you might be fine, yeah. but maybe there is something to unpack. Well, and I think that too, I would, I mean, there's no way to know, but I almost get the feeling that the people who are really struggling are the ones consuming that message more than the ones putting it out there and the mm -hmm. ones putting it out there. It's very easy yes, to talk about I drinking totally if agree. you don't have a drinking problem. I agree. Like, you know what I mean? And then it becomes like, if, if you think you're in a place where you're, you know, maybe pushing that line, it's, it's trickier. Like yes. you start to feel self-conscious. Yes. And I don't know too many people who I would say drink really heavily in a, in a really unhealthy way who are also talking a lot about it. I agree. Because I, I just 100%. think that's part of the shame and the, and the weird like undergroundness of it. Yeah. And the like fear that if they say something, if they ever said out loud to anybody like, gosh, you know, I think I maybe drink a little too much. Yeah. Then they're going to be like put in rehab or yes. something like, yes. and there's so many steps before that. And I just wish like that we could have a little bit more of a, a nuanced conversation about that. Okay. So before we take a break, this is a good time to mention one of my favorite, favorite online bloggers who I've been reading, I don't know, for 10 years probably is named Aiden Donnelly Rowley. She's a, mm -hmm. also a novelist. She's a New York city mom. Um, she has three girls. And so I read her blog. It used to be called Ivy league insecurities. Um, and I've read I, her forever. I have had yeah. read her forever way before she started talking about drinking. Um, and then probably three or four years ago, she did something called a year without wine. Anyway, I'll, I, I won't have this be a long thing, but the point is she never approached drinking as like, I'm an alcoholic and I have to quit. It was always from yeah. this, like, I, I'm not sure I'm the same when I'm drinking wine as I want to be. And I'm curious about it and I'm going to write about it. And she wrote extensively about it. She did a whole year without wine kind of experiment that she blogged through. Then she started drinking a little bit again. And eventually she did decide to be totally dry, but it was from the most, um, kind of like uh, the, the opposite of what you think when you hear about like yes. a, a mom who stops drinking. It was very gradual and very like self um, like self discovery and totally nonjudgmental. Um, I don't think she refers to herself as an alcoholic at all. I don't think her drinking ever got out of control, but she has a podcast about it called edit. Um, and then she has a Instagram called the Dribe Club, D-R-Y-B-E Club. So it's like dry and tribe together. And she's kind of built this whole following around people who aren't saying that they're an alcoholic or they need to quit, but they just want to examine and get curious about the role yeah. that alcohol plays. And so she's my favorite person. If you just want to like really think about this very thoughtfully, mm -hmm. she has great blog posts. She has a podcast. She has a separate Instagram. Um, and so I'll link that up in the show notes. I loved her approach because I loved that it was a year and not a, the rest of her life. Mm -hmm. So it felt like something like anybody could emulate or even emulate in a smaller way just to see. And I loved how much she talked about being present. I, mm -hmm. I remember that was like a big thing for mm -hmm. her. Like, am I really present in my life? Am mm -hmm. I really experiencing my life? And um, I think, you know, anybody who's not done things they'd rather do. Yes. I think for me, when I think for me, 
like the times when I've backed off, it's been because I realized I wasn't doing something I would rather do because I was prioritizing that. Uh And that could mean because I want to be sitting on my couch at six o'clock with a drink, or that could mean because I went out with friends last night and we had a couple too many and now I can't get to the gym, like whatever it is, there's always something. And once those, once routinely the one thing impacts the other, then it's when it's, it's not like a problem with a capital P, like, you know what I mean? Like you have to go to AA. It's like, it's like a a thing to look at. Yep, absolutely. And just like you said earlier on, it's funny that, that we're so this way about alcohol when it's fine to talk very publicly about getting on any kind of other health kick. So I think that was a really, that was really insightful. Sarah, our sponsor, Haya Health makes a kid's daily multivitamin that parents can feel great about giving their kids because they have no added sugars or dyes. And our kids who have tried Haya vitamins have loved them, which is important, right? Because what good is a bottle of vitamins that your kid won't take? Haya was founded by two dads who didn't like the ingredients label on some of the popular children's vitamins they were seeing on store shelves, so they got to work developing a formula that would help fill the most common nutrient gaps in modern kids' diets. Haya's chewable kids' vitamin is made with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables and then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals. They're also vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, and nut-free. Haya manufactures their vitamins right here in the USA with globally sourced ingredients, and then they ship their chewable vitamins directly to your door on a pediatrician-recommended schedule. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash MomHour. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H.com slash MomHour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. Okay, Megan, like many of our listeners, I'm sure I've been doing some spring cleaning in my closet lately, and it always feels so good to get rid of clothes I'm not wearing, things that don't fit or that aren't my style anymore. But you know what I realized? All of my Vionic shoes are always in the keep pile. They just tick all the boxes. They're cute, comfy, high quality. They last forever. And I love growing my Vionic collection, especially with the latest styles from their Vionic Vitals collection. The Vionic Vitals collection offers daily wear styles designed for elegance, comfort, and versatility. We both love the Uptown Loafer, which collapses flat, so it's perfect for travel. The Chardonnay Heeled Sandal, which I know you love, Sarah. The Walk 23 Classic Sneaker, which our team member Katie gets compliments on all the time. And the Willa Slip-On Flat, one of my favorites, which comes in 12 colors for any outfit. Yeah, I need to uh, get the Willa Slip-On Flat. That's next on my list. Well, listeners, if you're ready to try the shoes we're always raving about, use code themomhour 15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at bionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's one-time use only. Bionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. All right, we're going to move on. This is a really this is a really good discussion. I'm really loving this. But let's kind of broaden this to like meme culture in general. I think where I want to start, Megan, is because I always like your perspective, having been a mom for 20 years and how you have seen 21 years, 21 years. Jacob turned 21. Can you believe that? Yes. No, I mean, no. Is he already 21? Did I miss he turned it? 21 on the 10th. Oh, I missed it. I usually kind of yeah. ha- have a radar. You didn't post on social media about it. I didn't post it. on social about it. I know. I, that day was busy and um, like he was just like, I didn't get a good picture of it or whatever. So and I he's 21. So and he he's can. 21. Like he had his own crap going on. So that, we had breakfast together, but he had his own. Yeah. 
thing with his life, that his own life, life. Exactly. Um, but OK, with 21 years in you, um, I would love to hear like how you've seen this isn't a new thing. Like we have new social platforms for memes to be circulated and tropes to yeah. be furthered. But you've probably seen this for a long time. Are there are there one or two that stand out as this kind of like like mommy needs wine? Are there other kind of potentially problematic tropes that have cropped up over the years for you? Yeah. I mean, I just think in general, like the slacker mom thing was big when I want to say 15, 10, 15 years ago. And I know now that's the hot mess mom. Right. Mm -hmm. But like, it was just this idea that like the slacker mom, like there was this whole thing around being the slacker mom's the mom who doesn't do any of the stuff. Mm -hmm. The slacker mom's the mom who's kind of mean. The slacker mom's the mom who probably has a drink in her hand yeah. and isn't making uh, the the Halloween costume from scratch or isn't making brownies for the classroom or whatever it is, yeah. you know? And I always hated that idea that we had to be one or the other, like the mm -hmm. type A mom or the slacker mom. There's, first of all, I think we're all in some ways both. Yep. And I think there's a lot of room for us to choose what area we're going to be one or the other. And why do we have to pigeonhole ourselves? Like I never liked that. It always bothered me um, to some degree, maybe like the, like the crunchy mom thing mm -hmm. um, also kind of had it. I, I don't see that as much now, but maybe I'm just not looking in the right places. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. Yeah. yeah well, it, it's been around. Well, what occurs to me is the, the way we consume this now is like GIFs and Instagram and yes. all of that. And I mean, who knows? 10 years ago, it was other things, blog posts and Twitter and whatever else it was. But and before that, it was books and articles. I mean, like, this yeah, stuff goes way back. Yep. Well, yeah, way back. But I guess like a good litmus test for me is if something if you read something kind of chuckle and it makes you feel like either good because you identify and it justifies something that you like that's like kind of a little bit icky but you feel like now you're justified or if it makes you feel excluded because you're totally not in that club at all it's probably an over oversimplified mom trope. yes don't you think yeah like yes we don't share things on instagram that include everyone it, it just doesn't no. happen they don't get likes and shares it, it's right. usually something that pigeonholes or subdivides us and i think that's what deserves unpacking today is like, why, why do these things perpetuate themselves and why it's maybe problematic to have that be the way, the lens through which we view motherhood? Yeah. Know. Well, and I think uh, everybody wants to identify with somebody and everybody wants to feel like part of a tribe, right? So mm -hmm. it makes a certain amount of sense, but it, the problem is that there's really not such a thing as a slacker mom tribe. What would mm -hmm. that even look like? Like, would it just be a <laughs> it bunch of moms? would be very organized. No, would it be just like a bunch of moms who don't do anything at all? Like, I mean, or like type A moms, like what would that look like? Like how weird would it be if, you know, everybody, <laughs> if there was like a group of moms who identified themselves that way and then like, what does that mean? Okay, so you do everything right? Like what? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like there's mm -hmm. these, there's these weird, it creates a dichotomy that doesn't exist in real life. And yes. I, I, I do think it's gotten, this is one of the unfortunate, and I think there's many amazing things about the internet and social media, but I think it's one of the unfortunate side effects. Like it sort of takes like humanness mm -hmm. out of it. Um, I'm thinking, I'm going to go back in time and I'm going to look at a show like Roseanne. Okay. okay? Um, now, I know that Roseanne has gone off the deep end, yeah. but I'm going to talk about the 1990s, 90s yeah. version of Roseanne. I feel like she was like an embodiment of kind of a slacker mom, mm -hmm. but she was a real human being. Mm -hmm. And the shows the the show showed the whole spectrum, which mm -hmm. is why it was so good, like mm -hmm. why it was so successful. 
Um, it was her being normal, but loving her kids. And sometimes she got stuff right, but she didn't do things the way like a lot of the more put together moms did. She was kind of a slacker mom. Like mm-hmm. she was kind of the embodiment of a slacker mom, but like a whole human, mm-hmm. but a whole mm-hmm. person, as much of a whole human as you could fit into 30 minutes of television. And I think we're starting to kind of lose that. Even the programming I've seen, um, and I don't watch a lot of television anymore, I have to say, but some of the shows I've seen that feature moms, I feel like they've, even the moms in the shows have become more stereotypical, mm-hmm. which maybe is just my interpretation of it. But like in a show like um, Modern Family, like mm-hmm. everybody has their type, mm-hmm. their part mm-hmm. that they're playing, mm-hmm. and there's not a lot, they're not really allowed to go outside of that yes. much. And I've noticed that, and it makes it kind of, it, it makes it a cheap laugh. It's easy to laugh at, but boring. And it's, it's, you don't get emotionally invested the same way. I don't, at least. I totally agree. And it also sets up this idea that um, you're in the club or you're out and that like right. like people have to hang with like. So the hot mess moms yep. need to hang, you know, need to stick together to defend themselves from like the perfectionist <laughs> moms or whatever. Right. But in reality, don't you feel like like as someone who leans type A, I really need people around me to show me examples of not overachieving. I need people around me to like tone me down. So on the internet, it, the internet wants me to think that like, I belong in this bucket with other people like me, but in the real world, I more than anything need other types of human beings around me to balance me out. And I think we're all like that. So it's sort of, it sort of robs us of this experience of, like you said, seeing the depth behind one particular person, but also making sure that we're surrounding ourselves with different types of moms who, who approach things to, I I love when I have like a friend who's super crunchy and naturalistic and like I vibe off of that a little bit. And then somebody who's really, really relaxed and low key. And then somebody who's like super ambitious in their career. Like I see that as a benefit to me as a mom and a person and a woman and a human, but the meme culture would suggest that you've got to like find your people and then stick with them. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, I totally, totally agree. And, um, well, no, I mean, you said it. So like, I guess what's the way around that? Because I find that I need to be around more organized people, more people who are driven in a different way than I am. And just all that. Like, I think that's why our friendship and this partnership works so well. And that's why people identify with it is because I think people tend to see themselves as you, I have to say, I always think it's funny (laughs) how many emails we get that say the likelihood that someone will email us and say they identify with Sarah is like at a rate of probably five to one at least. Uh, yeah, no one ever, no one ever emails one. us and says they're a Megan. Like okay. ever. <laughs> so number one, like side note, that's a challenge. If you are a Megan out there, please tell us. You're probably just not bothering to write. <laughs> or <laughs> we've talked about this. Like I, what I said to you is I think the Megans aren't even necessarily seeking out parenting podcasts. Oh, or like yeah, because I wouldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't have listened to us. I'm no. sorry. <laughs> So that, but that is funny, but that is a side note because I know there are Megans out there. One time, a long time ago, I asked on Facebook and it wasn't 10 to one. It was maybe like 65, 35 or something. Right. um, Okay. That's really (laughs) funny. Um, But I think you asked, so what do we do? Like, what is, uh, so I think I do have a couple of ideas. One is to be, uh, just become like a conscious consumer of the media that you're consuming and look for all of these things. I mean, we started the show talking about the mommy needs wine, you know, culture, but look for things that n- that narrowly define a group of people. And that's everything from culturally, um, socioeconomically, like, yeah. look, be critical. And even even when it's humor, because I'm someone who's like I said, I'm easily drawn to humor. I love I love 
cheap shot. I mean, I love wit. I really do. Mm -hmm. And so, but, but get, get critical, even of the humor that you're consuming. And I think just start to like peek behind and, and see if this is justifying a behavior or masking a bigger issue, or if it's just like, it's probably harmless. Like the one meme that you shared, I'm sure is totally harmless, but if that's all anybody sees, I don't think that's harmless. And I think sometimes it's masking a bigger kind of identity issue. So number one, I think is just to be, be a more, um, astute consumer of whatever media you consume, whether it's television, podcasts, Instagram, whatever. And then, I mean, I think we always come down to this when we talk about social media, but um, making an effort to increase your real life, real world connections. And that doesn't have to mean like going out to coffee with a friend once a week, if you don't have time for that, but it can mean like a phone call to an old friend rather than just you know, Facebook conversations with someone at a more superficial level. I think, I think there's lots of ways to make sure that our roots in deeper relationships are getting nurtured and not just um, substituting that with the more superficial. Yeah, those, those are really good. And I, I think that, um, I think it's the criticalness. And of course, you know, I can't think of any off the top of my head, of course, but like it, it's not just limited to motherhood stuff. Yeah. I mean, like you said, like there's ones on, um, ethnic culture and race. There's ones on like basic, (laughs) basic, you know, be blank, 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 blank. Um, there's like all these things that like, that we say and they're funny and I'm just as guilty. Like that's so basic. Yeah. But then what does that mean? We're all basic in some way. Yeah. Like we all like everybody either wears Uggs or drinks, you know, Starbucks or like, it would be very hard for me to find a group of like a, a single person who doesn't do any of the things. Right. Right. Who doesn't participate basic. in culture. I mean, I and think that makes you a sociopath, yes. right? Like if you're not, <laughs> like if you're not participating yeah. in like the identity of the culture that you're in, that would make you very strange. So we're all doing right. it, but needing to, I think what you're saying, like trying to attach too much or not enough significance on it is right. Tough. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not sure I have anything more to say to that. I think we're good. I think we're good. Um, what would we like to hear from our listeners on this? Because this is a big topic and I oh. think we probably didn't cover something. So what I'm if sure you, we didn't. if you could ask for some emails or some feedback, what would you want people to let us know? I think that I would really honestly, I I honestly would love to and I know this is a very sensitive thing. I would but I would love to hear from people who because I always want to be sensitive to this stuff, right? Like mm-hmm. who struggle in some way to find out like what kind of stuff is triggery to them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's say that you are not drinking or you're trying to cut back, like what would help you and what, what don't right. you want to hear? Right. I just, I mean, we probably aren't going to do another whole episode on booze again for a while, but right. like, I would just like to know like what ways are other moms talking about things that are yeah. helpful or problematic or whatever. And I, I don't know, like maybe just share stories with us. Like, I feel like it's something that's so personal. Yeah. Um, we're not going to like, we're not going to, you know, take a screenshot and put your name out there. No, no, Um, no, no, no. Yeah. In fact, that's a good point. Like if people wonder, like if you want to email us just to vent and don't want, you know, don't ever want us to mention it even generally. I mean, just let us know. Like we were not. Yeah. Yeah. Safe with us. Um, I want to know what other people's experiences are. It's not something we talk about as honestly as you and I just have Sarah. And my guess is there's going to be people who listen, who are very uncomfortable by the Mm -hmm. conversation we just had. Mm -hmm. I know that because it's an uncomfortable thing that people have a hard time talking about. Yeah. And, and because we have such a wide array of, um, 
approaches to alcohol. I know there's going to be people listening who think that we're too blase mm -hmm. and who think that we are too light about mm -hmm. it and probably think we are problem drinkers. And mm -hmm. there's probably going to be people who are like, oof, they think like, you know, a couple glasses of wine a night might be a problem. But what the heck? Like, that's not a problem for me. So yeah. like, I, I think that like, it's such a wide spectrum. Um, and I know that it probably is going to create some discomfort. And yeah. I guess I would just ask that like, you know, like, I don't know, just be thoughtful about it. And yeah. that's all when yeah. you not just would respond to us, but when you interact with other moms and other people and, and the way you portray yourself as a mom. Yeah. 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 I would love to hear if um, there's anybody and there's no shame in this, but if there's anybody who honestly had not thought twice about mommy wine culture or yeah. the hot mess mom memes and kind of um, now is like thinking, oh, like there yeah. is a um, a different side to this. I'd, I'd love to hear that because I think you and I, Megan, have been immersed in media around motherhood for a long time. So sometimes I think we yeah. think things are obvious when they're not necessarily if you if you didn't yep. work in our industry. Um, so I would love I would love to hear that. I'd love to hear if there are other because you and I are also not exactly millennials and we're not probably up on the latest. So I'd also love to hear if there's any. Not like, exactly millennials. Oh, that was generous. <laughs> um, I'd love to hear if there are any sort of tropes that we didn't bring up that are another problematic you know, stereotype or trope yeah. that is floating around out there that we didn't bring up. So send us all of the emails and tell us what you think in, honestly and kindly, hopefully. Um, our email is hello at themomhour.com. Before we wrap, I also want to give a special shout out to our sponsor for this month, Spangler Science Club. It's a monthly subscription kit with um, hands-on STEM-themed experiments for kids 5 to 12. And we just unboxed November's kit. It's all about pH testing and my kids had so much fun. So look for more on Spangler on um, our website at themomhour.com and more coming up on the podcast soon. All right. I guess we'll wrap and see you guys next time. All right. The Mom Hour is supported by partners like Erica. Erica is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug when they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. Erica was built by a dad of three boys who saw that teens themselves were really becoming self-aware to the risks of social media, and he wanted to help them self-regulate. Erica works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E-R-I-K-A dot A-P-P and use code THEMOMHOUR to save 20%. Hey everyone, Sarah here. Megan and I would absolutely love it if you hit pause right now, right where you're listening and left the Mom Hour a rating and review. If our show has helped you feel a little more confident as a mom or a little less alone, that's one of the absolute biggest ways you can thank us. And it really takes about 30 seconds. If you're listening in Apple Podcasts, just navigate to the Mom Hours show listing. So not the episode you're listening to right now, but the kind of landing area for our show as a whole. And then scroll down to leave a rating or review. Thank you so much.